0: can food be a ministry the preparation the serving um can you if you have the gift of preparing meals tasty healthy meals can that be your ministry and can you monetize that our guest today is going to tell us exactly how you can do that let's go welcome to the monetize your ministry podcast and you get a chance to interact with them to meet that's full-time ministry.
1: And I have to, because to is like a thing, It in itself and then it I want to provide content and things that help change lives. And I simultaneously want to, to receive a blessing from that.
0: Now here's your host, Kamon Hans. All right, welcome back to the podcast. You know what to do. If you've been with us at all, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube or any podcasting platform you're listening to this podcast on. And one more thing, make sure you share it. This conversation we're going to have today and the conversations we've had before is somebody who needs it. Someone who is trying to figure out what do I have that's valuable? How do I package it in such a way that it will um, be helpful to someone else? And then how do I get it out into the world? So please, please, please share this content today while you're watching it. And I want to introduce and welcome our guest today. His name is Chef Chu. Chef Chu, welcome to the podcast, my brother.
1: Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. How
0: you doing, my friend? What's happening? What's happening? Hey man, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. And I've, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. We've been talking about this for a while. And I'm just so glad that my viewers and those of uh, those who listen to this podcast get a chance to hear your story. So... I introduce you as Chef Chu, and obviously we know that's not your birth name. So yeah. tell, tell us how, I mean, introduce yourself by your name, and then tell yeah. us how you got the name or just started calling yourself Chef Chu. Hey, man,
1: so my first name is G.W. That's my real name. Is just two letters. Okay. Um, so it's, all, it's everybody always kind of wonder, you know, that's my, my, my real name. But my real name is just two letters, G.W., and my last name, crazy enough, I was adopted at birth into a family that had the last name Chu. Um, so that was kind of the the beauty of my life. I always I was born with the purpose, born with the mission, born to change lives one Chu at a time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love it. I love it.
1: I love it. Yes, sir, man. But uh, God has been good, man. Like I guess I was adopted at birth, and honestly, man, it was uh it was funny too because Chu people think it's an Asian name, and uh, my last name is my it was black for my family's black. You know, and chocolate like me. And and uh, yeah, man, it was kind of crazy, man. a black family that had the last name shoe. It wasn't normal. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a common it's a common name, believe it or not. But again, like I said, the, the last name shoe was fitting for my for what I'm doing today. So it worked out.
0: Yeah. Now talk about your family, because you've told I've heard your story a little bit. Where's your family? Where are your roots? Because this all plays into your ministry. And those of you watching this, again, I tell you all this at times. This is not just for, for pastors. When we hear ministry, we think professional paid pastors. You're going to hear this story and understand God has given me something. I'm a minister, and that ministry has value. So, Chu, yeah. tell us where your family roots are, because like, that's part of this story.
1: Absolutely, man. So I grew up in Southern Maryland, uh, which mm-hmm. is about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Washington, D.C., um, kind of a country town. And believe it or not, my father was actually still sharecropping when I was born all the way until 1986, 87. Um, so I was born in 82 and I was able to like see, you know, just the the last generation of sharecroppers in Maryland. Um, mm-hmm. My father was a tobacco farmer. And uh, like I said, they were still sharecropping, man. So my father's side of the family did that. My grandmother was a sharecropper. My father grew up sharecropping. He went to college, paid his way through college, through sharecropping, bought his first house as a farmer uh, and was able to get a house house loan as a farmer and uh, kind of beat the system. It's a pretty amazing story on that. But my parents, like I say, man, uh, my father was you know, born there, raised there. My mother's family was seven Adventist, Um, And, you know, they were this humble folk, came from South Carolina. And, you know, they were vegetarians growing up. Okay. A lot of my uncles and my aunts. Whereas my father's side of the family, you know, they ate everything. They you know, you name fork chop, ribs, fried chicken, ham. You know, my father shot squirrels out the window. I was 10, 10, 10 years by 10 years from missing eating possum. I missed possum by 10 years. And I thank <laughs> God for that, man. So Miss Possum by 10 years. But um, like I said, country folk. I grew up, my mother was raised in the church. She stopped going to church when I was a kid. Um, sorry, when I was she when she got out of high school, she stopped going to church. But so you know we just i was just a you know kid growing up you know just just trying to be the best kid that i could man um but from a standpoint of food food was a very big part of my family culture
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so all my best memories thanksgiving christmas the summertime cookouts you know what i mean cookouts especially man the summertime we have Everybody got the ribs, you know, the mac and cheese, the potato salad, the sea potato man, you pie. You make me the hungry, man. Salads. You to be hungry. Come on. You know what I mean? All, all that. Me the, fried, the fried chicken. And then you, then you eat the leftovers for a whole week after that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know
1: yeah. I mean? so, the, so those are the memories, man, that I had. And it was good food, soulful. Um, but the sad reality, in my father's side of the family especially, uh, I saw a lot of premature disease. Um, A lot of family members began to have heart disease, diabetes, cancer, all that type of stuff started hitting my family at a very young age. So and many of them were in their 40s uh, or early or late early 50s. You know, they Mm -hmm. started having these lethal diseases to the point where, you know, they were starting to die late. Like I said, early 50s, uh, mid 50s. They're literally passing away, man, which was just pain, pain, pain in my family. It just really made a devastating blow to our family. On the other hand, my mother's side of the family, many of them were vegetarian. So while I was, again, all that good soul food, South Southern cooking, my aunts and uncles on my mother's side of the family were vegetarian. So they was growing up eating all this canned veggie meat, you know, and Mm -hmm, all this mm -hmm. stuff, you know, that I ain't never heard of Morningstar and, you know, Ready Burger and loma linda beef uh not beef but loma linda hot dogs and, yeah, yeah, and all yeah. this stuff man scallops and you know it was a whole other language on their foods. you know what i mean you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, i would go to my cousin's house on i was actually started going to church with my cousin and and that was my uncle my aunt my cousin and so forth but i would go there every weekend and i would go to church with them and i got exposed to vegetarian cooking at a young age mm-hmm. and so i had this experience as a kid eating vegetarian food on weekends and then during the week, eating everything that everything and everything and everything, you know, everything. Right. So, but they made the vegetarian food taste good though. That was the difference.
0: Right. You know, it wasn't right. like
1: I'm eating, you know, a, you know, they had something called scallops. You know, they battered that thing up, man. Tastes like chicken nuggets. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, enough, yeah, You know, so it was just, you know, the food. My food culture. I always say food is like your. It's 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 a part of your identity. It's your culture. It's kind of mm-hmm. who you are. Like your best memories is built around that. And so food for me became a very big part of who I was, you know, growing up, you know, and it became really, you know, what makes food so special. Food is family for me. Food is my life. Food is, is love. Food is conversation and all of that. So that's what, you know, that food and that upbringing kind of, kind of that I experienced as a kid, which led me again into potentially my ministry on what I experienced as a child and as a kid.
0: Yeah. So I hear it, man. Like there's two different sides of this. I'm learning this. I'm, I'm enjoying this, but I'm also seeing a problem. I'm yes. seeing a problem with the health disparity in on, on this side of my family. So, Chu, kind of talk to us about, and, and then before you even get there, I didn't ask you this question, and it's probably a good question to ask as we segue into this. You mentioned the word ministry. What's your definition of ministry?
1: Mm. I think you said it, you was kind of getting to ask me that question. I look at ministry as solving problems. It's mm-hmm. pretty much ministry is helping to to fight and to give your life to to solve the most complex and most challenging problems that exist on in, in this world. Um, you know, it's meeting the needs of humanity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's really again, again, like I say, it's, it's ministry is just that, you know, people need the I think about Isaiah 61. It talks about undoing the burdens, you know, of people, mm-hmm. man. Um, and I think that that is the definition of ministry. We're literally setting the captives free. We're liberating them from the challenges of life and making their lives better. However big or however small or however simple or whatever that thing might be, it's just liberating people from the challenges that they're dealing with and making their lives just a little bit better. And yeah. and, do- and then in doing that in Jesus' name, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the beauty of it, man, that I, I really love and I think about for ministry, man. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: sir. So now you... Let's talk about you are finding your ministry because, you know, some people find your ministry. And unfortunately, the church has done a horrible job that we've made people feel you find your ministry on a pulpit. You find your ministry, you know, in the front of a church building. But you found your ministry in the kitchen. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, you know, it's crazy, man. Um, You know, for me, believe it or not, I had a call to ministry, believe it or not. Okay. Like a call right to, to that type past, of pastoral ministry, ministry. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, not, not technically pastoral. Um, this to be very plain. When I looked at Scripture, I saw individuals like Paul.
0: Mm-hmm. Paul
1: was a, a a a you know apostle, really, but mm-hmm. he was a tent maker simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Paul was a man that had a skill set, and also, you know, he actually did the work of the work of God and preaching the gospel. And mm-hmm. when I had a, I had a call, my call came to ministry when I was 18, believe it or not. So when I was 18 years old, um, I had a full track scholarship to go to Howard, um, okay. full, full ride scholarship and school was paid for. Everything was done. I did sign the scholarship. But I again, I grew up in a, in a household where my mother sent me to church with my family as a kid mm-hmm. and I had this full scholarship. And but at the same time, I had to run on the Sabbath okay. and I literally broke my leg in a race. Mm-hmm. Um, right after I signed the scholarship my leg literally broke when I was in a race when I had my scholarship my mm-hmm. leg breaks When I break my leg, I literally had a conviction man that I didn't want to actually run on the Sabbath And after, as a result of that I gave my scholarship up and I actually became at that point a Seventh Adventist at the time mm-hmm. um, And it literally led my whole life and that that was for me was an important piece of my life because I literally at that point made a massive decision to give my life to Christ and I made a decision to really put everything I had in the line for something that I believed in. Okay. And that became the foundation for me as, as my calling. I learned how to take risk because for the average mm-hmm. person, I'm a country boy growing up in Maryland, and a lot of my friends wasn't going to college. A lot of mm-hmm. my friends didn't have school paid for. And for mm-hmm. me to come and say, hey, I got a conviction, and mm-hmm. I'm going to actually put my scholarship on the line to be able to follow something that I believed in was mm-hmm. a risk. <laughs> was right, it? right, I right. A risk. You're talking about a risk, man. So my, my risk-taking beginning started there. And mm-hmm. literally, I found myself making this risk. And it, what it was, though, is that God began to show me, man, that my life was so much more than this, the track and field, the track the track race. It was like he started making this calling in my life, man. And so at that point, that began my journey and my experience. And then as, as a result of that, I started literally started making changes in my life. I became a vegetarian, but I also grew up eating a lot of chicken. And so... I'm making these changes, and I'm literally like, I'm going vegetarian, and eventually, I'm like, I want to go vegan. And vegan food at the time in 2001 was horrible. I mean, it tasted like cardboard. I mean, yeah, food. yeah, yeah, yeah. Vegetarian yeah, a food go. wasn't that wasn't that <laughs> popular. I mean, it wasn't in. Wasn't it, wasn't that, in. Wasn't it wasn't in. There. It wasn't vegetarian, in. But you know, without the dairy and eggs, so for me, it was like, dog, I'm, I'm making these changes, but I also grew up eating good food, and I was starting to miss good food. And I began to realize, man, at this point I'm losing family members and starting to see this connection. And I'm like, man, maybe I can start making healthy food and make it taste like mama made it, taste like my auntie made it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, again, again, as a result, that life changed. Again, I had a decision point in my life. This is very critical for me. When I gave that scholarship up, I was giving up things. Mm-hmm. I was starting to really take these risks and doing things that I never thought I would do. I was taking this. And that, that was my mindset of ministry It was like I'm willing to – give up something at a sacrifice for the see, you know, to have a greater good, to have a greater benefit. And that, that was kind of a psychology that was kind of put into me as I went into ministry and it became the foundation also for me as I went into entrepreneurship. And also when you think about going vegan as a black kid in 2001, what you look like giving up fried chicken at, in, in, in 2001 as a black kid? That's definitely a this, conversation like, starter. That, that That's is a conversation. That i a, I'm giving up things, dog. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm giving up. It was like this whole thing was like, man, I'm giving up a lot of, so I went through this concept of like giving up things, taking risks, and I was willing to take a risk on, can I take some oats and make a piece of fried chicken? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like, i wasn't going to take like ingredients like that didn't make any sense. And I'm taking a risk to figure out if I can make it taste like mama made it. And so that yeah. became this psychology that we kind of began beginning my, my ministry career and my entrepreneurship career. And it was really a call to ministry. God was calling me like this through these life altering circumstances, you know, getting me to the place where like, Oh, your last name is true. And recognizing that one day, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff was leading to this place. And, and, and so miraculously, man, I say, God, Pulled me out of a career where I was an athlete, um, in the in the going and went to Howard for business, but kind of going more into a corporate world. And God began to shift me into my passion, my purpose, um, and He did it through some really, really kind of like I said, you break a leg in a race and you realize, okay, maybe I need to rethink my life about God here, you know, because I'm just doing yeah. my thing. And so God yeah. began to do stuff like that in my life and centered me where this passion of food in the kitchen became my my life and my heart and my excitement you know that became true you know i gotta jump
0: in here i gotta jump in here because i'm as i'm I'm listening to you you said i experienced my call to ministry and when i when i heard you say that right it's interesting i almost still hear it as the way some of us talk right so you were called somebody called you to go past to somebody's church or something but you said something that i think every believer needs to hear when you're called to give your life to god man that's your call to ministry
1: and and that was my like you said that was when i got when i literally you know my man paul on the road to damascus he got knocked off a horse my leg got broken i always say god broke my leg to save my soul man when i when i was down it's like god met me there and that was the beginning of my call but it was crazy at that time when I, you know, it wasn't like I want, I, I didn't want to necessarily be a pastor. It was like, I had mm-hmm. a call to ministry. I wanted, I had a call to want to serve God. Mm-hmm. And I read about Paul, like Paul was a, like a, literally a entrepreneur, a tent maker. And he was a, he was a gospel. He was a gospel preacher. He was a, he was a minister. And I didn't know how to figure that out or find that, but I read that and that became like, I want to do that. And yeah. how do I do that? How do I become a minister, but also have a, a business? that can help do the work of God and it's kind of it's not a it's not a separate thing they're one and that became yeah. like early on in my late eight late late teens and early 20s that became my like my passion and my study man of like learning how to like literally see business and ministry not as separate entities but how Paul saw them they, they went hand in hand as a means to an end to be able to do the work of God
0: man okay so our, this, you're listening to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast. Our guest today is GW Chu, Chef Chu. And so Chef Chef Chu, you talked about, okay, you feel this, the call from God, you sacrifice stuff. I want to know a few things, man. How did you get in the kitchen and then start, like, talk to us about it. how you got so good yeah. in the kitchen that you're starting to now help people and then make money with that. So let, talk to us about that shift.
1: Well, in college, man, I was at Howard University. I had a one of my buddies, man. He was dating a girl. He was like, "Chew," and this is I became this is this is when I became a vegetarian. But one of my buddies, man, he had my food, and he was like, "Bro, I got this girl. I'm going on a date." He's like, "Man, can you make me some? uh, Make me that fried chicken with them glory greens for my girl?" I'm gonna tell her I made it. I was like, "All right, bro, I make it for you." And so, so at this point, I'm actually vegetarian, but my man used to eat my chicken like all the time, and so. When he he was like, "Can you make the food for me?" Made the food for my guy, and he was like, "Oh, bro, I was good. Everything was great, man. My lady, she liked everything, <laughs> bro." And so it's like I kind of realized, like, man, I got I got like this knack for cooking, like you know. And I and I and when I became now I'm a vegetarian, I just made it for him. I'm like, yo, I'm I'm, I'm like always in the kitchen, like experimenting. Like I just saw this passion. Like mm-hmm. I want to figure out how to make what I what I love, how I grew up. So it was the problem was. I grew up eating all this good food, and now this vegetarian stuff is good, but it ain't like how I, how I used to, how Mama, how she did that slice and that season. I got to figure this out. So that became the passion of going in the kitchen and just saying, I'm going to start experimenting. So what I started doing, um, literally, man, in my early 20s, going through cookbooks, like veg- like old school vegetarian cookbooks and vegan cookbooks, and I would systematically go through each recipe within that cookbook. And so I was a self-studier. Like I didn't mind like taking a book and like I always said, you know, and and I want to make money doing this one day, so I'm going to take this very seriously. So I literally disciplined myself systematically, went after recipe after recipe after recipe through literally like one major cookbook that I went through was called Country Life Cookbook. It was like this old school Adventist cookbook. Went through that cookbook, went through every recipe. But when I went through them, I started seeing like principles. Like it was more than just like I'm making a recipe. I'm making this banana nut bread or I'm making this, you know, this, this, you know, whatever recipe it might be. I started looking at recipes like formulations. I started looking at recipes like ratios and like these concepts. Like, I'll make a simple bean and I'll be like, well, it's one cup of bean to three cups of water. And that's the recipe. And then I do whatever I want to do with it after that. It wasn't like I'm just one cup of beans, three cups of water, two tablespoons of garlic powder, one tablespoon of this. It was like I'm looking at things from a ratio perspective, mm. formulation perspective. And it was like I, when I started doing that, creativity side started coming out i started like okay i got the ratio i can start doing this i can start doing that and then then i started making granola that became my passion i used to make granola dog. and when i made granola i didn't just make granola i used to i made flavors of the granola so i had my Mm -hmm. peachy peach blueberry blast sensational strawberry all these different flavors of the granola that i was making and I'm over here making slogans now. I'm like, oh, man, I ain't going to make granola. I said, I said, I got to say, I said, man, I make crunchy bunch of granola. I said, we don't box, but we got a granola that's going to knock you out. <laughs> 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 I'm like Muhammad Ali in the kitchen. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm over yeah, here yeah. talking smack, making up slogans, man, you know, all that, man. So I'm making recipes and everybody, and I'm like, I'm telling everybody to try it. My family members, my, my friends, and everybody trying it. Got my college kids when i was in school i made this cheese sauce literally i'm going vegan i'm getting all my college kids that i went to school with i made a cheese sauce out of oranges orange juice and cashews (laughs) craziest recipe man and i'm over here like persuading these college kids to eat this cheese sauce made with orange juice and cashews dog. it looked yellow it was horrible but they tried it you know what i mean so i was like I'm, i'm on i'm on to something here and so all that to say man I saw this passion around this. I had I love this, the going to kitchen and create. It was like, it was scientific. It was creativity. Uh, it was, it was food. So I was a foodie. It was delicious. Um, and then that kind of grew into my first business again in food was making granola. And I started making granola and started selling it pretty much to church members, to friends in the community. Um, and at the time I was actually, or not, I was doing, I was, I was a core right I used to canvas. I used to sell books. But that was kind of how I didn't go, you know, I wasn't a pastor, nothing like that. But I was doing ministry in a way where I was actually going door to door and selling Christian books door to door. And so when I was doing Christian books, I used to stutter a lot. And so I had to learn how to sell with the books that I was selling. So I'm going door to door selling books like Sex to Christ and I'm doing all these old, old school books. And what I did, though, after I sold the book, I bring out my granola. <laughs> so I used to bring the granola out. And my, you probably know my buddy, Sam Juden. Sam Juden needs to work with me. He was making bread. So Sam, wow. made, the, Sam I ain't, made the bread. I ain't no Sam, ain't no Sam get down, down like that. Sam, OK. The, Sam the baddest baker in town. He might be quiet with it, but Sam was a bad baker. Sam made the bread. I made the granola. Sam made raisin bread. He had the raisin swirl bread. He had the honey and oat bread. Me and Sam, he making he making bread. I'm making granola. We going door to door, my family. Door to door, selling bread door to door, bro. Now, and selling
0: now, we got to take our, everybody, let's let's make sure we go back. The reason you started exploring this is not just, not just, and not firstly, because I'm going to make money on this. The reason you started exploring this is because I look at my family and my community, and I see there's a need here.
1: There's a need, and even in my own personal life, I was missing what I grew up eating. So even before, I think the need of my the family model was like, it wasn't as crystallized as it is today. But as at that time, it was like, I'm losing family members, but it's like, I miss eating what I grew up eating. Mm-hmm. Like, I, get, I mean, man, my mama made the best fried chicken family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, mac and cheese. I mean, I'm missing all of this. And I'm like, I gotta experience this again. I gotta experience how to make this again. And I, then as I was doing that on a personal level, I was realizing like, yo, I'm, I'm losing family members. I'm seeing people dying around me. And it's most of this stuff is causing because of how we actually eating. Yeah. And so it, it became, you know, so it became more of a personal passion that then became a more reality as I started seeing people around me that I love, but I love that was dying because of what we were eating and how we were living. And so it this as a, you know, it was a long journey that really made it even more clear. But at, when I first started, I was seeing it, but it was more of a personal, like I needed it for myself. Like, so I think a lot of times, a lot of times people's, you know, ministries come because of their own personal need. You know, you need something for you. So you kind of like, I gotta, I gotta figure this out for me. And it's like, oh, it's good. It's changing my life. And I'm I'm the living testimony of what I'm actually trying to bring to you. But then I started seeing like, yo, I'm losing people in my family that's really close to me. And I'm starting to understand like, oh wow, like they died of diabetes. they died of of heart disease they died of cancer and i'm like yo all those are lifestyle diseases all those things are happening because of the lifestyles you know largely our diet largely our our, you know this the the lifestyles and the stress of life that we're going through as especially as black and brown folk um all of that became very clear for me and it was like oh i got now it's like i got a solution i know how to make chicken that look like chicken but it ain't chicken you know, yeah. it's like it, it tastes just, like it too, and it, and it tastes like it, man. So that, that became Listen, all of that started happening.
0: You're, you're bringing up a really good point, and I want our listeners, our viewers, to catch this. A lot of times, you are the solution. God gives you a solution to a problem that you have faced, that you're possibly facing, and you 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 know. And then sometimes you go, "Why isn't anyone doing something about this problem that I'm passionate about?" And God is saying, "I put something in your hands to do something about that problem," and that solution. That, that thing is your ministry. And now, Chu, we say on this podcast, we want you to monetize your ministry so you can do more of it. Because right now, you're able to reach and touch more people. I'm going to get, we want to get to that. But before that, I want to get to this. Let me introduce people to where we first met. I was an event planner for an event in Southern California called Fruition Lab. And the guy who was uh, the main organizer, his name is Jeff Tatarchik, great brother. Jeff was like, we got to bring in Chef Chu. We got to bring in Chef Chu. He's like, this guy makes the best Philly cheesesteaks. So you came, and, man, you it was like everything was from scratch. It was like all of your own stuff. I don't know. How, yeah. Man, you went in the back in that kitchen, and you were just making it happen. So you came out. It was lunch, and folks were lining up getting these Philly cheesesteaks. And this one guy said, man, this Philly cheesesteak is so good. I just wish they had a vegetarian or a vegan <laughs> option. For it. Dude, that's how you know that this oh, stuff wow. is so is tasting so well oh, wow. that someone couldn't even believe yeah, that it was absolutely. vegan, right? Yeah, yeah. But I remember that I was thinking, this guy's onto something. And so talk to people now about the monetization, the business yeah. side of it. How did you... Go into business with this, and you could—I mean—and then we'll talk about how you've expanded and grown the business. Because I want you to give our people some yeah, practical absolutely. tips on I mean, business.
1: My 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 personal like life conviction is a scripture that I go by, and it's uh, in Job. It says, "Though thy beginning was small, yet in thy latter end thou shalt greatly increase." I say one more time: "Though thy beginning was small, yet in thy latter end thou shalt greatly increase." Um, that was my premise. I always understood the power of perfecting something at a at, at home, at a local level, and, and building it and, and really mastering that thing before I went great and big with it. So all of my development, all of my all the things that I've been doing all of my life, uh, my life work started at home in the kitchen. You know, mm-hmm. I literally in my mama's kitchen, I went, I went, I moved back home for a little bit and I started developing these proteins um, that you kind of see again. I make a product called Better Chew and it's uh, pretty much our plant-based proteins. And again, back in 2006, 2007, I stumbled across some techniques and processes that allowed me to texturize, pretty much going from a soybean all the way to a finished protein. And I had learned these techniques. And this is after, again, like I showed you, like in my earlier 20s, I'm doing all these formulations and cookbooks, and so I already had that background. So, So again, my hobby, now watch this, my hobby, cookbooks, is practicing, Having fun in the kitchen, and I'm getting passionate about it. I'm getting serious, and this this hobby is turning into I'm like I'm spending all my time doing this now. Now
0: Man. do you have a job. Now talk to us. You have a job at this time because somebody's Yeah, like-
1: I'm, I'm 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 doing landscaping. I was a trade mm-hmm. of a tradesman. I had a landscaping company, and and at the time I was I was involved in ministry, and I was doing like again selling these books, you know. So okay. I was literally okay. doing like co-porting and canvassing. And that was a skill in and of itself because I learned how to sell.
0: Absolutely, that was Absolutely. that was a yep. very
1: yep. important skill set. That yep. became the founder I do a lot of fundraising. I raise a lot of capital in my in my manufacturing business, and I I will attest it to all those doors slammed in my face, you know, in them hot days, and getting all that rejection laid the foundation of me being a storyteller. Me being able to sell, um, all of that became a part of my business and my ministry. Um, but monetizing it again. The small beginning was I disciplined myself and mastered something. And I got people to criticize it. I wasn't afraid to share with my neighbors and my friends and say, hey, what do you think? And many times they were like, "It it, it looks horrible, but it tastes good. Like, it tastes really good, too, but I don't know what that is, bro. Like, you need to work on that. It looked real good, though. Keep on working at it. And over time, again, I began to develop, develop to a place 2006, 2007, I developed this process and this technology on how to make my own veggie meats, like in this really unique way. Not to get through all the technical pieces, but it was a real unique process that I had figured out. And I give all glory to God. I truly believe in our businesses, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Uh-huh. I, I believe it's a intimate like relationship with Christ, uh-huh, it's uh-huh. not just a I'm just starting the business and our business adventures are like all me and I do it. When I say I was praying about my recipes and the Holy Spirit was like downloading concepts and ideas, that was like a spiritual experience. It wasn't a oh I'm just doing a recipe and I'm just doing my venture. It was like a very heartfelt prayer. The Bible says God gives wisdom and understanding in all manner of workmanship. That's what he says to the that's what he said to the Jews and the Israelites when they was building the temple. He gives understanding. It's a knowledge and wisdom and understanding in all manner of workmanship. And so mm-hmm. that's food. That's a skill set. That's our technologies that we're developing. God gives wisdom and knowledge and all of that. So I used to pray on that stuff, man. And I saw God start to download. People were like, man, where did you go to school to learn this stuff? I mean, I got scientists at Kellogg, at Gardein. I met them all. I'm not exaggerating. I've been to I've been, I've been to all those conferences. they like, how did you figure out this breading, this batter <laughs> for this chicken? Like, where did you get this from? I'd be out of this smile. And, and my humble heart is like, you don't know,
0: yeah, yeah, it like yeah. yeah. I, got it. I got, I got, I got uh, inside scoop.
1: Yeah, there you yeah. got inside scoop, man. But, but, it, but, it, but God was also pulling from the discipline and the hard work ethic. You know, He ain't just giving us download. Just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna tell you the secrets. I'm, 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 I'm out there seeking and searching. You know, yeah. I'm over here literally, you know, spending nights and and practicing my craft and so forth. So all of that began again, starting at home, starting small, um, and perfecting my craft to a place where I got a product. That the community and those around me, my friends and my family and my community, can say, "Man, that's you're on to something." When I got that affirmation, at that point, I've got to to the confidence to start my first restaurant, which was in 2008, and okay. that's kind of how it all began for me.
0: Yeah, no, I'm 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 really excited that we're having this conversation. I've I've been a pastor. I've been a member of churches, and one skill that people, a lot of people have, that they they devalue, is cooking. Yeah. In fact, I'll say it better. One ministry that people devalue is cooking. Yes. Right? And if you say, man, you are, this is God, your ministry. No, it's not a big deal. Sis, brother, that's your ministry. And you're telling us now how we can monetize it. Now, we talk on this podcast Making product, making products is a is a, a way to monetize, yeah. right? A, the service, providing a service, right? The restaurant might be the service part of it, but now you've really gone big with the product side of it. That you're in places like Target, right? You're, not you're, in
1: Target, not in Target yet. I'm in mean, Whole Foods. We got approved that's into a Target, a Target Accelerator, which is I'm, I, I can talk about I'm, what I'm that is. I'm prophesying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so prophesying. So I'm prophesying. I'm prophesying. I'm prophesying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. but definitely, we 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 was in a six six week accelerator with Target. Where they, we got a, out of almost thousands of companies, we were approved into going this accelerator. Where it's like a training program. This is mm-hmm. like literally like a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were approved into that. Where now, and I'm again, I'm I'm 20 years in the game. I'm mm-hmm. still learning.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: still learning. I'm in a six week intensive, four three hours a day, four days a week, and they're teaching us how to be successful on shelf. I'm still in school, yeah, even yeah. even 20 years later after this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But that, but that, the product, the product, that's
0: what you're talking about, that product. Yeah. So, Chef Chu, talk to someone who is monetizing their ministry. Give us about two or three business lessons you would say that you would say to people. Again, you're 20 years in the game. So, don't try to do what, Chef, don't say, man, I'm trying to get here. Like, follow the principle, put in the work, experiment, pray, seek God. But give us some business lessons because I want people to get some business lessons from this that you would say, I want to give this to people who are looking to monetize your ministry.
1: One of the biggest lessons I would say, man, is that many times we're too fearful to fail. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I found um, is that you never should be fearful in failing. If you have a calling, a a ministry or a a business um, that God has given you, don't be afraid to fail. Many times we spend our lives uh, afraid to take a risk because we are afraid to fail, and I find that, in true honesty, I had to shut down two restaurants um, because of this it just financially didn't make sense. It didn't work out, and so sometimes the the failure, I like to call it apparent failure. It looks like failure, but technically, it's actually truly the education that mm. you need in order Ooh. to be successful. So, yeah. so the, the the things that don't work out is really just simply what's simply a, a education opportunity for you to learn what not to do, or you got a piece of the puzzle that gets you stronger for the next time. Again, mm-hmm. if it's a calling, if it's a ministry, if it's something that God has put in your hands, you're gonna it takes time to figure out what that solution is going to be. So you're gonna be iterating and iterating and iterating and somewhat failing or not making the revenue that you think you should be making, but it's all the process of finding out what that true MVP that you have as a, as a company, as a business, what's that most viable product? Here and, we go. Yeah, min, minimal viable product or most valuable product, however you want to call it. You're looking for that, that solution that you can bring. And sometimes that comes through doors being shut, contracts being lost, business shutting down, to find out what that true solution is going to be. Um, so that's 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 a major lesson. Don't be afraid to fail. Like, mm. go for it, because you only live in this life once. you know and so be be, go out there and fail that's what i say go out go out there and fail because failure is actually one of the best ways to be able to learn how to be successful in business any business person will tell you that anytime anybody's worth their salt in business has failed a thousand times over that's a part of the that's a part of the business process so that's one um another major one that i would say man um know your numbers i think that's a very very critical piece uh many times we're excited about business but we don't really prepare ourselves and, and, and do the work necessary uh, to master our, our business and our, our, our numbers. Um, and sometimes you don't know how to. Um, hence, you got my brother like Kamon, you know, who does business coaching. But there's one thing I would say is that it's very critical as you're growing a business to understand the mechanics of your business. So like in a very basic level, if I'm providing a service, you need to know how much labor it takes how much cost it takes to do that service so that you know how to properly price it. You know, you can't just, you know, in business, you don't just shoot from the hip. It's not a shoot from the hip business. You know, I got a service. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to charge this. But the question is, why are you charging this? How much time does it take? Because the more you understand your numbers and the why behind the numbers, the better you can actually close on the deal. So if somebody says, you know, know, I want you to uh, do this service for me. And, you know, you're going to say, well, I'm going to charge you $3,000. And they're going to say, well, how much time is it going to be? Well, you need to understand and give them the value of what that's worth, how much time mm-hmm. it takes, the material cost. And the more you can understand that, it allows you to now become scalable in your business. If you, can, if you can set up a system where you can something can cost a similar cost every single time, the labor is going to be similar every single time, and you can get that system built. Now you can actually scale that business into become something that's going to now do what we're all looking for. We all want to be able to create a business that while we're sleeping is making money. (laughs) So the only way you're going to be able to create that is that you have to know your numbers. And by knowing your numbers, you become effective in selling. You become effective in talking to banks if you got to raise capital. All those things become very powerful for you in order to be successful in that. So that's another thing I would say. Um, you said three. I got one more if you want me to do one more.
0: Let's go. Let's go one more, man. Let, let's go. You know, these these are good, man. These yeah, man, so, that knowing your numbers, knowing your I numbers, think man. so many people, there's so much like I don't want to charge too much, mean I don't want but man, when you put down, okay, how much is time is this gonna cost me? Right? Time is gonna cost it. Like yes. you should not do a job and by the time you look at the time it took takes you, you're making less than minimum wage. That's 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 that doesn't work, man. No it yeah. not make yeah. No sense. So, like I said, man, knowing your numbers, for me,
1: that is how we raise in our company close to $5 million in our business, you know, to be Mm -hmm. able to grow our business. Like, we, it's all about knowing our numbers is how we was able to to do that. And that started at the very early stages. I've been doing this, again, 20 years, you know, but I had to learn that principle years ago. And that became a a discipline for me as a business. The last thing I say, man, that I think is almost most – as a a business that's a scalable or a – you know you have businesses where you can just be a be a one person operator you know you can kind of do a service you exchange your time as consulting gigs but mm-hmm. when you start dealing with small businesses that's going to ha- now have employees and you're trying to scale that and grow that you have to be very selective in getting team members that are not yeah. just coming for a check and not just coming just simply because they just want a job you need to find people at the early stages of your business you got to find people that have that that are I like to say are hungry <laughs> they ho- they ready to chew. I'm going to use my pump, my last name. They're they ready to chew some opportunity, man. they hungry for opportunity. they they just as fired up as you are when it comes to seeing an opportunity. They're they in the mud and they trying to become, you know, trying to get to their next thing in, in their career or their life or they want to go entrepreneur. So both people are coming in this thing hungry. It ain't that team project where I'm doing all the work and they mm-hmm. can sit in there, on, you know, kind of doing nothing. They want to get all, of, all the benefits you got to find people, especially early in, those initial founders that have that skin in the game. And for me, you know, I got my founders. I had to give them equity. I couldn't be like, yeah, you know, I got this company and, you know, I'm going to hold on to all the equity and ownership. So if we ever get big, I'm going to be the one that's going to benefit from all the Mm -hmm. upside. I had Mm -hmm. to say to them, hey, you know, my CFO, my my, 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 my chief administrative officer, my, my, my two foundational team members, I had to give them equity. And I, I want to say equity is, you know, in the companies, when you give up ownership, a piece of the pie to a person within your company. And there's a way to do that. You don't just give them equity up front. You can vest it, meaning like, hey, you work for my company. You see the vision. I'm going to give you X amount of shares per year over a set time frame. You know, that's and good. people people so you can do it in a way where you can have a vesting schedule. They earn their equity, but they're coming in. They're getting ownership. They're excited. You get you have people that's now have skin in the game. They're willing to fight with you. And, and crawl because in business, you're gonna have those days, my life, where money's gonna be real tight. Hmm. And the founding team gets paid less. And if your people ain't got skin in the game with you, they're gonna be like, Where my check at? I need to get paid. But if they got skin in the game with you. When times get tough, they're gonna to say, Well, you know, man, I can forego a check this month. I got some other things I can do, some consulting on the side I can do. I got something else. or, we so tough right now. One of my one of my team members had to get a nine to five again. And it's uh-huh. okay because they yeah. still with me every single day, but they still yeah. got to keep the bills. They paid. got a vision. They got they the got vision. they got a it's like delayed gratification for long-term success. Late. delay so our principle as a company, we're black folk. We it's hard to get capital, it's hard to scale a business. So we understood up front that this is gonna be a 10-15 year like goal that we're trying to fight for. And so when I look at that. We built on that foundation, so finding team members that actually are 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 are, 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 are doing it in, in that mindset with you. Man, I mean, when I had my toughest days, last year was my toughest year in business. I had those moments, and I had team members that sacrificed, man, that huh. sacrificed. We got through that year, we ended up raising the capital, which we needed that, I mean, it was like the life or death for us in the business. We raised the capital. And man i tell you we could have gave up but they didn't give up with us man and now as a business we're stronger than ever because they nice. were willing to sacrifice at the most critical moment they didn't give up we wasn't over here arguing and cussing each other out and all that kind of craziness we got through that moment man as friends and we as business partners as family and we got through those tough moments so choose my mother said, spend your money wisely i said choose your founding partners wisely but you need them. You got to get those individuals. that's going to be willing to grind with you to get to the next level.
0: Shoot, man. That was, that was good stuff, man. That was good stuff. Listen, those of you watching this, make sure you share this with someone. Somebody, one is sitting on something and they don't think what I have is impactful. does anything. If you are good in the kitchen, man, that's your ministry. That may be your ministry. And listen, I don't want to just restrict it. I want you to hear That God takes whatever you have that he's put inside of you and he wants to take that thing and expand it out to help people. And for some of us, we're getting started. Don't be afraid of failure. You know, work at that thing. The only failure is when you give up on that thing. Build a team around you and then know your numbers. So good stuff, man. Tell us how we can find you, how we can get in contact with you, how people can follow you. Let us know.
1: Absolutely, man. So, my IG handle, Facebook handle is Better Chew. Better Chew, B E T T E R C H E W. Better Chew. Check us out there. Our website, you can actually order online. Yes, eat go better chew. Eat better chew.com. Eat better chew.com. Um, You can actually ship nationwide free shipping. You can actually get our product shipped to your doorstep. We got the chicken, like I did. Chicken. Yes, sir. Like Look like chicken tastes like chicken. Ain't chicken got the, yes, rib, the steak. Get it to your doorstep. And then lastly, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, we have a vegan restaurant, our first location in Vallejo, California. Um, And you can come to uh, Better Chew Kitchen, Better Chew Kitchen uh, in Vallejo is our first location. We got more locations that we're building to come, but in Vallejo, California, you can come out if you're in the California region. Uh, Come out and check us out.
0: Good stuff, man. Y'all go follow at at Better Chew, go to Eat Better Chew, order the stuff. Tell them Kimon sent you. All right. Tell them <laughs> Kimon sent you. And uh, you may not get a discount, but you'll get the best product they have. How about that? How about that, you? Can we do that?
1: Yeah, hey, that's it, man. I love it. I love it.
0: Hey, man. Thank you so much, man, for being on today. Uh, you've inspired people. There are people who are watching this. They're going to take this and go start something, go take their ministry and bring that ministry idea to life and monetize it. So go increase your income and your impact. Thank you for
1: listening to the Monetize Your Ministry Podcast with Kermode Hines. For more information, visit our website at www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. That's www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. Find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please share this episode with someone who needs it. Let's increase our income and impact.